Welcome to the Fried Hartman Leadership Podcast from the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership, the podcast dedicated to developing and encouraging spiritual leaders for the kingdom. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 8 with the FHU Leadership Podcast. Today we have Dr. Joe DeWeese with us, and I'm so glad to have you come on the show and be able to talk to us about science and the Bible and and many other topics. Will you please begin first, uh, uh, Joe, with an introduction about yourself and how you got to Freed Harmon? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it. Glad to be on here with you. It's an honor and a blessing, so thank you for having me. I grew up in southern Illinois near St. Louis, and uh, Troy, Illinois is the, the city. Came from there to Freed Hardman back around 2000 and spent my time studying science and the Bible. I actually have a minor in Bible, uh, but my major was biochemistry. I was really interested in science uh, from both an apologetics perspective, but also uh, I have a brother who's a cancer survivor, and so cancer research was a real interest of mine, kind of drove me in that direction. Uh, I had uh, been mentored some by folks at Apologetics Press and decided I really wanted to pursue science to understand more about how the Bible and science can come together and uh, how we can understand them as a history of the world. And um, went from here to Vanderbilt University. So my wife Liz and I got married while we were in school here. She had just finished. I was had a little bit left. And then we moved to Dixon, Tennessee, where uh, I drove in every day to Vanderbilt earned a PhD there in biochemistry. Uh, Once I finished there, um, started teaching after that, uh, taught uh, basically pharmacology and biomedical sciences to pharmacy students. Uh, Also got to help with a course called Applied Christian Values, where we talked about some of these topics Mm -hmm. uh, in the context of of helping pharmacy students understand their their role as a a Christian uh, practicing pharmacy. And um, then got the opportunity to come back here to teach. And so I'm here teaching now in biochemistry and uh, molecular biology and also helping uh, serve uh, in research to help students get engaged in science research, but also trying to help faculty across campus uh, figure out what research looks like for their various areas. So uh, Liz and I have been back here for almost two years now, and we have two kids. And... um, just glad to be back here serving. Well, we came in at the same time at Freed Harmon. Yes. August of 21, we came back to teach. That's and right. For me, I was a, a green rookie, just my first time to teach at a college level. And, yeah. and you're an experienced person. I guess it was your – you had eight years previous somewhere else? Um, I'd, I'd taught at Lipscomb for 12 years. 12 years. And then um, been here now for almost two years. So, yeah, I've been, been teaching for a while. Yeah, so we went through the introductory class of, of kind of onboarding us. It was good to have you to kind of help me and, and think about – uh, what it is to be a college professor, and I've appreciated the friendship and the uh, help all along the way for the last two years, and you've even been able to uh, guest teach in my class some. Yes. I have a Foundations of Faith class, and uh, each semester I have him come and talk on science and the Bible in that class, and so it's certainly an honor to have you on the Thank podcast you. and uh, have our friendship. We um, want to begin by asking you some, some questions to help us kind of work through this as we think about how church leaders should understand and understand that the, often the conflict or the discussion going on in our culture between science and the Bible. And church leaders also need to know that this is a very important topic, not only for young people to be studying, sometimes we think, well, just apologetics for young, but for the whole congregation That's right. to have an understanding of apologetics and understanding. So, so what got you interested in apologetics and evidences and thinking about those things? Yeah, Absolutely. Well, I've, I've been interested in science for a long time and was really inspired by, from, by some uh, junior high and high school teachers to really appreciate and enjoy science. But around that same time, I was exposed to folks who were 
uh, teaching about science and the Bible and, and showing how they come together. And that was really eye-opening for me because I hadn't quite thought about it like that. And um, I really got passionate about, okay, if God, if God is real and this is His Word, then His Word and His world should come together, mm-hmm. right? We should be able to understand those together. And so that really influenced my thinking. And, um, you know, I was inspired by folks among the brotherhood who did that kind of work and decided that was something I wanted to pursue and uh, started, started working toward that uh, from, you know, kind of college on. Mm-hmm. Well, and and what experiences? Because you went to Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. so which is not in any way a private Christian university right. like Fried Harmon that you had had your earlier training. Sure. So, so what was the experience like in that transition from going from Fried yeah. Harmon uh, to PhD yeah. studies at Vanderbilt? Yeah, well, definitely much more uh, diverse population uh, as far as you know people's uh, faith perspectives and things like that. Um, you know when I. I often tell the story um, in the first weekend of graduate school, uh, kind of getting things going, they, they take you on this kind of retreat to teach you about uh, responsible conduct of research. And so basically how to, how to do things ethically, right? Don't, don't plagiarize, uh, don't falsify your data, um, you know, don't um, uh, falsify information about who did the study or how it was done, things like that. Um, and that was a really important, you know, type of training, especially as you're kind of getting started in, in your science career. But in the midst of that, they paused and they, they talked about, um, you know, how various factors, our, our personalities and things can influence us. And, and one of the things kind of struck me, more or less, one of the academic deans stood up. She said something to the effect of, uh, those of you who are people of faith, you need to leave your, your faith at the door with your coat when you come in. And uh, that was that was very different. And I actually met a few guys at that uh, during that time that we were all people of faith and kind of recognized, okay, we're kind of in hostile territory here, at least with some people. Uh, that wasn't necessarily the experience throughout. A lot of what we study there um, really had nothing to do with evolution. Uh, and so there really wasn't a lot of antagonism. I ended up in a lab with a mentor um, who really didn't make an issue of this, um, and, and I didn't either. I tried to just, you know, keep my head down, do good work, and, and be a careful, attentive scientist. Um, but, you know, I was in a much more diverse crowd, and yeah. uh, there were there were in, in my lab environment directly working with me, I had, you know, unbelievers and, and people of all different, you know, kind of faith backgrounds. And uh, so it was, it was eye-opening for sure. Uh, and really made me figure out what is it that I really believe. Yeah. Um, you know, taking some of the things that I learned here and trying to say, okay, am I gonna, am I gonna actually apply that in my life? So yeah, it's a great question. And it's really the opposite of of the perspective that President Shannon and that our academic team here tries to get all of our teachers to bring to the classroom. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Is that they they really want us to incorporate Christian principles. And of course, that's easy for me because I teach Bible. But but right. it's we want that done in all of our disciplines, that's right. and it is encouraged from from the president on down to incorporate Christian values, Christian teaching into our classroom environment, that's whatever right. that subject is. That's right. And and you know, and I look at that, I think about, I reflect on my time here as a student, and I remember um, Charles Tucker, who's one of our engineering professors in physics class. Mm-hmm reading a scripture before class. And that, that was something that stuck with me. And so as I started teaching uh, at Lipscomb and then here, I'd open class with a scripture and a prayer and just try to kind of, you know, get everybody kind of calmed in, focused, ready to go. And that's been a blessing. And I've had more than one student, uh, both here and elsewhere, tell me, hey, thank you for starting class like that. 
Uh, because I want people to realize, you know, science isn't this thing over there and our faith is over here and we got to keep these things kind of separate. This is this is who we are and it ought to flow out of everything we do. So why does it seem, you bring up that point, why does it seem like faith and science are in some ways in conflict? Uh, and, and who has kind of created that? And is that true? Is there conflict there? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. Well, there's no doubt about it that the impression you get in our society is that that there is some cosmic conflict between the two that they can't they can't come back together. And I think it's important for us to consider, you know, how did that begin? Where did that where did that come from? And and I think there are a lot of myths around the origin of that. We don't have time to unpack. Maybe that's another episode. But um, you know, there's there's a lot of different elements to it. And I would say that it's not all the fault of those who are maybe more on the secular side or the non-religious side of things. I think both sides kind of have, you know, pieces in this puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one element of it is obviously, though, the secularization of our culture, this idea that um, you can have your faith, but you got to kind of keep it over there compartmentalized because out here in public, we don't do that here. Yes. And, and that's, you know, it's what you see in Europe and a lot of places, and it's on the rise here. Uh, in the United States, so we have to be aware of that. Um, but we also have to recognize too; it's not just that it's not just about what we like to call sometimes the taking God, uh, God out of society problem, which is definitely part of the issue. But sometimes, uh, you know, with this specific issue of science and faith, it's this idea that that there is a truth of science that somehow is in conflict with our faith, and that what what is usually meant by that is that uh, evolution and our Darwinian understanding of how life uh, could have evolved uh, is in direct conflict with what we see in Genesis. So thus, there's a conflict between science and faith. Um, or there's there's the story of a Big Bang as the origin of the universe as opposed to a, a moment of creation by God in Genesis 1, and thus there's a conflict between the two. So it's sometimes it's in that context that we hear this conflict. And what I'd like for us to consider is that while there are conflicts there, um, that doesn't mean that science and faith are in conflict. That means a particular perspective, a particular viewpoint, a particular interpretation. And one of the big things I want our church leaders to understand is that uh, all evidence has to be interpreted, right? If we find a fossil, the fossil doesn't tell us how old it is. Uh, It doesn't tell us how it was buried. It doesn't tell us the events that surrounded that doesn't tell us oftentimes much about how it lived, per se, uh, except what we might be able to infer. And so uh, we have to realize that that has to be interpreted in some kind of framework. And so I could interpret it in an old earth framework that says there's a uniformitarian assumption of the present is the key to the past and it's long, vast ages and Darwinian evolution. Or I could look at that same fossil and say this this could have been buried during the flood in catastrophic pro- processes that were destroying the world. And, and so there's, there's two different worldviews here going on, at least, uh, and we have to consider that, that how we interpret the world is founded upon our, our philosophical and theological assumptions about you know, the foundation of that. And so our, we ha- our conclusions start from where we begin. That's exactly right. And, w- and we have to follow our logic through to its end, right? Mm-hmm. And if our logic is that science explains everything and it ha- gives us all that we need to know, then we're going to come to certain conclusions that are going to be different from somebody who starts from the, the ground point that says God is real, he exists, and, and the Bible is his word, and, and describes a record of history that we have to account for. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, there's a great uh, film, in fact, you can watch it for free on YouTube called Is Genesis History that I would recommend that would be a great film for congregations to consider that, that goes to show wh where, where do these assumptions take us and, and can we see evidence of God's work uh, throughout the history of the world. So that's a, a good thing. But yeah, to your point, I mean, I think, I think we have influenced this some too, though, as, as churches, sometimes we create that environment that says, oh, you don't want to go over into science. That those, those, are, those people are out there to destroy your faith. And, and while it's true that there are some scientists that, you know, would like nothing more than to shake your faith, uh, that's not true of all of them. And I know a lot of good scientists. In fact, I know a lot of Christians in science uh, who uh, are quietly working away doing their thing and maybe aren't in positions where they can be very vocal about what they do. So, uh, so I want us to be careful, especially in our congregations, for our church leaders, for our Bible class teachers, for our preachers, to be mindful of how we characterize science. Um, science is not the enemy. Yes. Okay, but there is a philosophical... Uh, underlying this this materialism, naturalism, uh, scientism, these these ideologies or philosophies are very much based on the natural and there's no supernatural. Those are what we're kind of at war with, not so much science in general. And, and so let's not feel like we got to be antagonistic towards science, uh, but rather towards some of these these philosophies that are at odds with a theistic interpretation of, of the universe. So really what you're kind of saying there is that we've taken the the drastic differences in the origin of the universe, mm -hmm. evolutionary perspective versus the theological God created it perspective. And we've said there's a conflict there, obviously. Mm -hmm. And we then interpreted that as putting the evolutionary side as science. That's right. Which Christians would not view as true science. And 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 seeing that as a conflict between science and the Bible, science and God. And really mm -hmm. it's a conflict over origins and how we interpret the evidence yes. based upon and get to the results of how are we here? Why are we here? Yeah, absolutely. It's it, it is a worldview and inter origins interpretation question. In other words, if I if I start from the the starting material that says there's nothing supernatural that's even possible, mm -hmm. then I can never come to the conclusion that God created it. Right? I've ruled that out. And uh, a friend of mine depicts it this way. He says, if I'm if I'm going to believe that all that exists is natural, then I, I live in this circle, and they'll draw a circle. And he said, this is all that's possible. Now, if I believe in the supernatural, he'll, he'll draw a bigger circle, and he'll say, look, the bigger circle surrounds that smaller circle because even though I believe in the supernatural, I also believe that natural things can happen. Mm -hmm. But yet I have a more open mind because I recognize that, in essence, more things than, than what just what's confined in that natural circle can, can occur. So really these things all travel in groups Yes. in, in terms of those who are have this secular materialistic attitude. They're also very much atheistic generally. And they're very much focused on uh, eliminating any kind of miracles from the Bible, mm -hmm. any kind of resurrection of Christ. And so they're, therefore they're often opposed to religion or Christianity because yeah. it's a philosophical opposition to it. That's right. And that leads then to the difference in them opposing the Bible and opposing sci um, Christianity yes. because it's a very philosophical difference. So it's not just Bible and science. This That's is right. dealing with... Of philosophy, right, and fundamentally, what what do I believe is true about this world and about this universe? Is is there something beyond here or not? Yes. And if my commitment is that there's nothing beyond this life, there's no supernatural, there's no miracles, then I've got to have a naturalistic explanation. Hence, 
Big Bang, Darwinian, Neo-Darwinism, etc. So, so that, that kind of flows out of that mindset. Now, not everybody that would disagree with us about God and His Word is a Darwinist. There's, in fact, there's a new group called the Third Way, mm-hmm. and they're trying to establish another kind of path to the origin of life and the evolution of life uh, in, a, in a sense that was different than what Darwin had proposed. So, so there's some fracturing going on there where some people are saying, look, we don't think Darwinism works, so we're going to try to find another way without, you know, again, still without, you know, going to anything scriptural. But for whatever reason, and, and it's hard to, to trace this through, the, as you look back in the history of science, we had a long period of time where science was done right alongside uh, faith in a, in a very harmonious way. In fact, a lot of the early scientists saw their work as a fulfillment of Genesis 1, this, this idea of filling the earth, subduing it, having dominion over it, they saw that they were doing God's work in their science research. And uh, that paradigm began to shift, I would say, you know, 1600, 1700, 1800 in that time frame to where then you had folks looking at the world and instead of thinking of it as relatively young, they're thinking, oh, they've got these layers, maybe that's evidence of vast ages. And then, so that was folks like Charles Lyell and then you have Darwin come along to say, taking Lyell's ideas and saying, okay, if we got these vast ages, what if we had a biological process that unfolded over those vast time periods to give us the life that we have today, kind of minimizing the role of God over time uh, to, you know, uh, emphasize physical processes as, as the origin of a lot of these things. So, so yeah, it's good. I know we don't have time to get into it, but that's why I'm, as faith-based scientists, you look at things like mutations, things like the DNA, you look at things like that, and you say, well, all the evidences from all this design, from all the intricacies there, all the evidences point to there having to be a supernatural creator because this is so impossible. Evolution is so impossible to have happened by chance, and the the possibilities of it are so astronomical. But the problem is they don't even see that as a possibility. Like, they have to come up with all these reasons why evolution can happen and they have to be willing to jump those big jumps and say well mutations and all those things are possible even though the numbers would would show the impossibility of them because they don't have another option am i correct in saying that yeah well you, you so put yourself in their shoes for just a moment right and and you've got you've got all of this here right you got people and you got trees and you got cats and dogs and you got this planet and a solar system and a universe and if, if, if I'm in those shoes and, and I want to know where did all this come from, I've got to come up with an origin story, right? I've got to come up with something that helps me understand how did we get here. It's a fundamental question. Yeah. Children ask it, right? Where, where did this come from, right? And, and the assumption we generally have is that somebody made it, right? That's innate to us. I believe we're, we're kind of born with that, and it flows out of us unless we try to suppress it. And some folks have said, no, that's not possible, so I'm going to— I'm going to say that that didn't happen, so I've got to have some other way to explain it. And if all I have in my toolkit are physics and chemistry and biology principles, I've got to yeah, I've got to use that toolkit to say where did this come from, right? How could life have started? So you think about the problems. You got the origin of the universe, right? You got the formation of planets and mm-hmm. elements and all those things. Eventually, once Earth gets here, you got the formation of life that has mm-hmm. to happen, and then that life has to diversify into the life forms we have today. And, and mind you, this isn't just, it happens over a couple of days or weeks or months. We're talking about hundreds of millions of years 
of these chemicals mixing and combining, mixing and combining, and giving rise in their idea to these life forms that mm-hmm. then give rise to other life forms. So you've got you got to you got to stretch this thing way out. And uh, as I look at it as a scientist, we are not this slowly cobbled together bottom up creature. We are a top down design creature, meaning God saw what we would need to be able to survive and other organisms as well and pre-program that into us. Mm-hmm. The way I describe it is there's a lot of uh, uh, interdependence, uh, or some people call it causal circularity going on in our system, meaning in our cells and the way we function, a lot of the processes are carried out by the things that actually are being made by the process. Mm-hmm. So you got to have them there to make what's there. So, so how did, it's a chicken or egg, right? How did they get there to begin yes. with? If I got to have this protein to make this protein, where did it begin? Yes, there's so much interdependence there. That's right. Each system is, and so, but I think sometimes we just want to dismiss it, and, and this kind of gets to the next topic that we'll talk about is how, because we're talking to church leaders here, how do we contribute to this conflict? What yes. misunderstandings do we often give out to our church members, and and even as preachers preaching or Bible class teachers? What can we do that actually harms this subject we're talking about? Right. Oh, that's, that's such a great question. And and I think a lot of congregations struggle with this. And um, so part of the problem is the, the perception of it, it's science versus faith. Mm-hmm. And instead of instead of framing it as we have a uh, an atheistic philosophy, right, that is in opposition, we, we frame it as it's science. Well, it's one interpretation of science. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to be clear on that, that there are other interpretations. Uh, I think of course, a core piece of this issue is that there aren't many scientists of faith who feel comfortable to speak about this. So you got a lot of churches trying to talk about this, maybe in a Bible class or some setting, but they're but they're not scientists themselves, and so uh, things may get mischaracterized. and And I think that's where some of this comes from: is there's some misunderstanding uh, and miscommunication. And I do think there's some people that genuinely are just afraid of science. They mm-hmm. think. What if, what if scientists discover something that disproves the Bible? Yeah. And so as a result, I got to just stay away from it yeah. because I, my, my faith may be threatened by that. And I'd like to suggest that if, if we really believe that this book is what we say it is, then we ought not to be afraid. Yes, amen. Right? We're, we're there, not afraid of truth, that's whether right. that's found in the that's, lab or that's found in the Bible. That's right. Truth right. is truth. God created all of it. That's right. And he knows all of it. Yeah, that's right. All truth is God's truth, right? Yes. It's a saying. And, and I think that's that's where I've come to in my own faith and my walk with science is understanding, okay, science is an important tool that we have to understand this world, but it doesn't give me meaning and purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and it helps me understand how things work, uh, but God's the one that tells us why they work, right? He's the one that gives it uh, uh, purpose and value and things like that. So I think that's that's a critical piece of this is don't be afraid of science. Okay, It's not out to get us. Yeah, there are some scientists that are antagonistic and like to flaunt it, whatever. Uh, but that's not that's not necessarily the, the goal and mission of science. So we need to be raising our young people not to be afraid of it, uh, but to understand the assumptions that underlie any decision. If you see the, the latest headline and it says, we found this new fossil mm-hmm. and it's this old and it's da-da-da, you know, it's this ancestor of this, ask yourself, okay, what did they actually find? What's the fact? Well, the fact is they found these bone fragments 
They were in this particular layer of rock. They were in this location, right? Those are the facts. Mm -hmm. Okay, the interpretation comes in when they start saying, well, it, it must be this creature that then came for that creature and so forth. And so, you know, as we think about that, we just have to realize. Um, Sorry, that's me. That's okay. Uh, we just have to realize that, that those, those um, you know, when, when we're thinking about the, uh, the evidence as it is, it can be interpreted in different ways. And we've got to help our young people understand that, that one way to interpret it puts it at odds with Scripture. Yeah. But that's not the only way that it can be interpreted. So I think we've got to, we've got to get past our fear of science, and we've got to start understanding it for what it is and put it in its proper place. It has a role, but it's not the end of all knowledge. That's very good. And also, when you're talking about the fear there, we don't need to be afraid that's that right. there are not answers out there. Yeah. It's kind of like I try to tell people when it comes to evangelism. So many people say, well, I'm afraid they're going to ask me a question, and I won't know the answer. And I'll just kind of try to get that out of the way and say, you're not going to know some of the answers. Yeah. But don't be afraid of not knowing the answers. That's right. Just say, I don't know the answer. Let's, let me go study that, or let's study that together, and let's find the answer together in That's the right. Word of God. And so on this one, in a Bible class teacher setting, when a child comes in and they say, a question about where did dinosaurs come from? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, a question about my science teacher this week taught me that uh, the world is, you know, 8 billion years old or whatever they say now. Instead of being afraid of that and just going, well, that's just science. The Bible tells us this. Let's, let's give us, give our young people good answers mm -hmm. uh, from men like you, from men like Apologetics Press, from, from we have a lot of Christians mm -hmm. out there who are being a, very apologetic in their faith. So what does the role of apologetics then play in this? Okay, yeah, that's a great question. And, and I think this is where um, we've got to be equipping our, our church leaders, our, our ministers, our Bible class teachers. Look, not everybody's going to be a scientist, and that's fine, right? We don't expect that. Uh, but just the same way that, um, you know, if we're going to be, um, you know, God's people sharing truth with those around us, we need to understand some of these issues and understand what's going on. And there are some great resources out there. And you mentioned, uh, you know, some some places we can go to get these resources. Um, but we've got to be equipping ourselves and preparing ourselves to talk about these things, not, not at professional levels. We're not asking people to go and give seminars on this, but have some understanding of, of the basis of this. There's some great resources out there uh, to help us do that. Uh, but let me let me circle back to this issue of of answers to questions, because sometimes there's some people that, that are afraid of science, as we mentioned, because maybe they'll find something that, you know, disproves the Bible. And I think there's some people that are afraid, too, that, that there are going to be questions they can't answer. Yes. And the truth is, there are, and there will be, okay? <laughs> there are questions I can't answer, and there are things that I, I can't figure out. And I've got to learn to be okay with that. Yeah. And I've got to learn to trust in God. You know, it's, it's just like, you know, uh, Paul uh, talking about his encounter with Jesus of my grace is sufficient for you. Look, some, we got to let Jesus be enough for us. Yes. And there are some things that we are not going to be able to figure out this side of eternity, and that's okay, right? It doesn't mean that everything else just is is thrown out. Uh, and, but, and that's the same. Excuse me. There. No, go ahead. But that's the same with truth in the Scripture. Yes. I mean, there are things that we do not know. We can give possibilities, but we cannot right. say for sure about various questions that we have about the Bible. Yeah and about some theological debate or something like that yeah. that we're discussing. And so that's the same in the area of science when it comes to truth, too. 
is that there's going to be some things that we're still gathering evidence That's and right. information for, and we don't know That's for right. sure yet. Yeah, I'll give I'll give you an example. I was talking with uh, Jeff Miller from AP not too long ago, and there's a big debate when uh, Christian and, and biblical worldview geologists look at the rocks. There's a big debate about which of those were formed during the flood versus after the flood. Where did the flood end as far as the fossil record and, and the layers that we have? There's a debate about that. And I don't know who's right. I've tried to listen to podcasts, tried to do some reading, tried, but there's, there's evidence for either side, and you can make that argument. Is that going to wreck my faith if I don't know which rock layer you know, mm-hmm. was the end of the flood? No, right? It's, it's okay. But it's something we can continue to study. Um, same thing with, there's a lot of going on right now about genetics, uh, Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of evidence that points to humanity had an, a common origin. Imagine that uh, from, could have come from just two people, mm-hmm. right? That all of humanity, well, that fits very well with the biblical worldview, but there's still a lot of questions about that we haven't solved or figured out. Uh, and there's populations we don't totally understand. We've got these Neanderthals. We've got another group called the Denisovans. These are fossil uh, humans, in essence, that have been found in certain parts of the world uh, that, that interbred with other humans, but yet, look, have some, have some different features about them. So I think they were human. I think there were populations that probably got isolated at some point. And, and so, you know, you can imagine with an isolated population, you're going to have some mutations that you might not see elsewhere. Uh, but we, we still don't have the full story on that, right? We yeah. still don't fully understand that. But that's, and I'm okay with that. I think that's, those are areas of research. Those are questions we can ask. Uh, and over time, we may be able to answer some of the questions. And, and I'm okay with that. Well, because Jesus came not to reveal to us all the truths about science. Right. You know, I, I thought about this, and this may be just a weird thought, but surely other people have had it too. Think about all the things Jesus could have told us that has taken us 2,000 years of technology yes. and research to figure out. That's right. I mean, look at all of our medical advances. Right. And if you think about all the medical advances that we've had, Christ could have told us all those things. Yeah. But he, he chose not to. Mm-hmm. His mission was spiritual and changing the heart of man. And so I think that we should be content to also understand if Christ didn't tell us all these things That's right. about the solar system and the world and science and everything or other areas of life too, mm-hmm then there's going to be still many things, even though it's been 2,000 years, that we still do not understand. That's right. And, and when you go back to the wisdom literature, that's a big concept in the wisdom mm-hmm. literature of, of understanding faith and trusting in God despite our limited knowledge. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as we, we think about, you know, the amazing things that God has done, um, I think we need to stop and just be in awe. You know, science shows us some amazing things. And if all we ever worry about is well, how long ago did he create it, and how did he do this, how did he do that, right? The, the Bible is not a science textbook. I understand that and respect that, uh, but it reveals a, a record of history of, of the world that we need to take into account, and, and we need to use that as we try to interpret what's going on around us, uh, and so as I look in nature and see the design, like, I'm inspired by that, and Amen. are there things I don't understand? Sure, but but that doesn't you know, that doesn't dissuade me from it. But to your point, you know, as you think about why did God place us here? If all I do in science in the biochem lab is teach my students how to be good scientists, I don't believe I've done my job, Mm -hmm. right? I want them to understand it in the context of uh, their designer, their creator, what he's done for them. And to use that to say, man, praise God for what he's done, for what he's created. I hope to create that environment where my students have that 
response. Uh, and that was something that carried me through grad school because there was a lot of pressure uh, at times to believe different things. And as I looked at all these papers that said we evolved, I started thinking, well, maybe they're true, right? Maybe mm-hmm. they're right. And I had to kept coming back to this, uh, this thought of, okay, but if they're true, if it's true that God didn't create it, how did some of this even happen? You know, the enzyme I studied in graduate school, how did it ever come into be? Like it's yeah. too well designed, too perfect, too amazing to think that it could just pop into existence. And, and that helped me, you know, kind of navigate my way through some dark times and some challenging times there. So, uh, and I think another thing that our, our church leaders can do, if I can mention this real quick, is just our young people really need mentors right mm-hmm. now. And I don't know what that looks like in a given congregation, but I know one of the things it looks like, and that is adults taking a purposeful, intentional uh, interest in helping and encouraging our young people. You know, if you know that young person in your congregation that's interested in, in your field and you can help show them something about it, give them an opportunity to shadow you or some people that work with you to see what that looks like, you know, create those relationships because there's a lot of evidence that as our young people grow up, if they build those relationships with other people at church, uh, healthy relationships with, with leaders and teachers and others, that really can help fortify their faith as they go through college and, and beyond. So um, I think that's something we really need to be more intentional about is, is building and fostering those relationships uh, and, and using those mentoring opportunities. Amen. Well, we, we are out of time and we appreciate... Um, you coming on the show today, sure, and, and I want to just say that from a that we, from a church perspective, we're so thankful to have men like you who have trained in the science but still are very loyal to Scripture and want to help us understand there's not a conflict there and want to share your wisdom and your knowledge with us to answer these very difficult questions at times. So thank you, and thank you for sharing that. Do you have anything to, to close with or anything that you want to just kind of uh, reiterate before we end. Yeah, yeah. Just I think big picture. Thank you, first of all, for having me. But I think you know, big picture. Don't be afraid of science. All right, mm-hmm. let's let's put it in its proper place, proper context, and remember that all truth is God's truth. And so, as we study it, are there going to be things we don't understand? Yes, but we don't have to be afraid of that. All right, let's keep keep moving forward. Another thing I'll say is, uh, you know, uh, I'll ask our audience to be in prayer about places like Fried Hardeman that we can continue to to grow and build these environments where people can consider faith and science together. So Dr. Justin Rogers and I are co-teaching Bible and Science, a new course here, mm-hmm. uh, trying to give students this opportunity to have this interplay and discussion back and forth between their faith and the understanding of science. And uh, I hope we can continue that. I hope that we have other students interested in that. We see that grow uh, and give us an opportunity to really help foster uh, some deep abiding faith uh, in the midst of a really challenging time. So. Uh, thankful to be here and, and look forward to uh, uh, hearing from some of you all and look forward to being able to serve. Yes, and Thank you. Uh, you can be reached yes. here at Freed Harmon University if people right. have questions or they have right. uh, more information they would like to gather on this topic. That's right. Uh, you'd be glad to serve as a, as a resource to churches. Sure. And so reach out to him through Freed Harmon, the science department here at Freed Harmon. Well, thank you for listening. And we uh, want to encourage you to listen to future episodes and reach out to us uh, here at Freed Harmon, if we can be of assistance to you and to your congregations. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Freed Harmon Leadership Podcast. For more great content and to see the services the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership offers your local congregation, please visit www.supportingspiritualleadership.com. Until next time, remember, 
God uses ordinary people to lead his people into extraordinary feats.